Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I really sincerely apologize for leaving you guys hanging last week. I didn't post an episode. Honestly, the week just got away from me and I didn't have any advertisers last week. It was like a week in between where I didn't have anyone paying for an advertisement. So I took it as a sign that I should take a week off. And I totally didn't prepare anyone or tell anyone. I was also traveling. I was en route to Nashville on the day of upload last week. And so things just got away from me. But I am back and better than ever this week with an amazing episode. I feel recharged. I have more to talk about. It was just a sign. Sometimes you have to take a step back. It's giving Taylor Swift when she said, no one saw me for a year. Well, no one heard from me for a week on Thick and Thin. I (laughs) did other things. I posted my other podcast, but I just needed a little recharge because this is a solo podcast. It's just me. So I have to carry the team always, the team of one over here. So I'm glad that I was able to take a step back and everything's okay. The, The ship hasn't sunk. We're okay. Everything's fine. You can't pour from an empty cup, ladies and gentlemen. You can't, okay? If you are feeling overworked and just spent, your energy is gone It's okay to take a step back and think, okay, I need to pour back into myself. I need to do what I need to do to fill up my cup so I can pour it out to other people, okay? Even if you don't feel like what you do every day makes an impact on other people, I guarantee it does. Like everyone in this grand machine of life plays a role. So please, if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling burnt out, Take a step back. I promise, yes, people might be upset. We're going to get into it today with um, the empathy of it all and how people, you know, are very selfish. But it's okay to be selfish. It's okay for you to be selfish and people will get over it. People at work will get over it. 
and people won't be talking about you nearly as much as you think they might. I remember at L'Oreal, I had a really hard time. We had unlimited sick days, yet I felt like I couldn't take a sick day or I couldn't even take PTO or the things that you're supposed to take because I was worried about what people would say or if people would assume that I don't work hard and things like that. At least I remember seeing girls, women, I should say, take time off and like do what you're supposed to do. And I always envied them because they had the courage to do that and take care of themselves and pour into themselves and make sure their cup was always full. And they were better workers because of it. Like I admired them so much. So if this is your sign, take it, honestly. I don't know why I felt compelled to say that, but someone out there needs to hear it. So that's for you. But anyway, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about some very relatable things, I think. I mean, I try to do that every week, but there's been something that's been kind of gnawing at me recently. And it's something where I almost led myself to think that I'm a bad person for feeling this way. But after doing some research, after doing some digging, after doing some pondering as I do, I've kind of realized that I'm not as bad of a person as I might think I am for feeling this way, which I'm going to get into. I'm just human and it's something normal and it's something that can be worked on, but is something natural. And we're going to get into all of that. You're probably like, hmm, I wonder what she's going to talk about today. Well, Actually, I think the title is going to be pretty vague too, so you really don't know. I have some tricks up my sleeve and I have a candle burning, a crisp fall leaf candle burning so that the juices are really flowing and I have some really good stuff to share today, I think. So I'm going to start out by giving you the lowdown on my illness right now because I feel like everyone is sick. I have a raspy voice right now. I didn't have a voice two days ago, so things are doing well in that category considering how I started this week. But In my line of work, in the podcasting, in the content creation, in even my consulting work where I'm constantly going uptown to meetings and meeting in person with my clients and on Zoom with some other clients, like I do have a handful of clients that I speak to pretty much on a daily basis and the podcasting and the filming of it all. So having a voice is kind of crucial for this line of work. So on Monday when I had to shoot out emails and texts to people that I work with or who are expecting content from me saying, oh, I truly do not have a voice. I'm really sorry. I'll, I need to take it easy. This kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just saying about, you know, taking PTO and taking time off like when you need it. But I felt this extreme guilt. I felt so bad about it. And I tried to communicate that as best as I could with people. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get what I need in today because I truly do not have a voice and I'm just under the weather. So me expressing this to people was met with a variety of responses. You know, we have people that, of course, are like, yeah, take care of yourself. But like, do they mean it? Do they mean it? Or are they mad because their stuff isn't in on time? So, you know, you have those kinds of people. And one woman that I told um, that I'd lost my voice and I was feeling under the weather, she reacted differently than everybody else. Like her text to me was filled with genuine concern, kindness, understanding. I don't know why I sense it was from a different place than the other people. Like not to say people were like cold by any means, but she genuinely was filled with this like understanding and said, even take a couple of days off. Like Katie, don't worry about it. Like really. And I, it made me think about why she could react that way versus others. And it reminded me of the fact that this woman had just taken some time off because she was in the hospital. She was very ill. Like she was very, very sick. And this got me thinking kind of the comparison of the way that people take in information or take in maybe information that doesn't benefit them and how empathy really has a hand in this. You know, like it made me think about how 
we understand each other or don't understand each other and how it's kind of selfish, like the way in which we take in information from other people and understand, like it all has to do with us. Like we are selfish at the end of the day. So here are some questions like that I was asking myself on Monday because classically I was trying to take it easy, but I couldn't. So I was just jotting down. I was like scrawling all these things on my iPad. I just learned how to do notes on my iPad where I can write and it turns to text. So I don't know if that makes me a grandma, but I wrote down some questions that I you know, had in this category and I'm going to also provide answers today with what I came up with. But will we ever fully feel the emotions that other people feel? Like, can we actually put ourselves in their shoes? I was Googling a ton of quotes about empathy and nearly every single one had the line, put yourself in someone else's shoes. People love to say that. I love to say that. I love to think about that and try to do it. But is it possible to actually feel what other people feel especially if it's never happened to us. Like, why is it so hard for us to truly either be sad for each other, understanding, or be happy for each other? And one last question, are we all biased when it comes to seeing other people and taking stock of what other people might be dealing with? Like, are we all biased or honestly a bit selfish, even if this is the kicker, even if we try our hardest not to be? Like, we could try our darndest to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and understand them. But at the end of the day, do our selfish intentions, our selfish wants and needs and what would benefit us? Like, is that always in the back of our mind? Is it? So those are some questions I'm going to talk about today. If you've ever considered these things or wondered yourself or thought you might be a bad person because you can't seem to master it, this is for you. So I've talked about this before. I do consider myself to be a highly sensitive person. I did a whole episode on HSP, highly sensitive people. So definitely find that episode if you want more on that. But there's a difference I've learned between being a highly sensitive person and being an empath. An empath meaning being you know more sensitive to the emotions of other people that might be around you. You might understand this person without even knowing them. Like being an empath is such a gift. And while I think in the past I've said that I might be one, I think what I really am is just highly sensitive, meaning I'm really easily overstimulated by a lot of other people's emotions. Like I know that they're happening. I'm aware. And in a room of people, I might think that I'm beginning to understand other people and I'm you know, taking a walk in their shoes maybe for a second and I'm trying to understand it, but I'm very easily overstimulated. I can be overwhelmed by a lot of people's thoughts and feelings and I try to, you know, force myself to be someone that I'm not maybe because I'm trying to understand them in that way. And so I think that being a highly sensitive person, it can be hard for me to be empathetic sometimes because though I'm really good at reading people, it's hard for me to, once I've read someone, once I've kind of understood where they're coming from and who they are, for me to fully understand them and feel like them, it can be hard because it's just difficult for me to take myself out of the equation, if that makes sense. So like I said earlier, it's hard for me to not be a little bit selfish when I'm trying to understand someone else, if that makes sense. So I know we're all vastly different. And so especially in the city, I feel like I'm exposed to so many different kinds of people. And when I'm trying to get to know someone that is very unlike me, that isn't in the group that I'm in, you know, it's hard for me to take myself out of it and fully immerse myself in them and who they are and not 
use my personal experiences and make a judgment. Like I'm judging people because I can't seem to take myself out of it and just get to this person and, you know, not include myself in understanding them, if that makes sense. And sometimes I get really mad at myself and I have to check myself for a second and think, take stock of myself. And I'm like, am I a good person? Because sometimes I have these feelings or when I'm trying to understand someone and I judge them and I then think I am the worst person to walk this earth. I need to be kinder. I need to take myself out of this and just feel for this other person. It isn't about me. Like, And then I get mad at myself. So if you've ever felt that way, I decided to unpack this and really think about it and read what experts have to say. And it's really helped me. I think I'm on the path to being a more empathetic person. And if you've ever done the same thing and checked yourself and thought like, oh, I'm a bad person for this. Like, I need to be kinder. I need to be less obsessed with myself. Like, this is for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So I watched this video over on YouTube. It's called The Science of Empathy, which I'll have linked. There's a ton of experts involved. It's really interesting. It's a longer video. So the one part that I do want to say that I really took from this is the concept of groups. So whether we're consciously doing this or mean to or not, human beings, we tend to think in terms of groups, you know, religious groups, political groups, sports teams, race, profession, the sorority you're in, the age group you're in. Like I think of myself living in New York City, so also geographical. Like I live in New York City. Whenever I go somewhere else and I run into a fellow New Yorker, we tend to understand each other better just because we're in that group. Like we understand New York City living where someone who doesn't live in New York City might not understand, like that sort of thing. So those people in our group, those we can relate to and understand simply because we're very similar for that reason. We might not be entirely similar, but because of that thing that puts us in this group, we feel like we have this camaraderie, this common understanding. We naturally have empathy for these people. Empathy meaning we understand how they live to a certain extent, what they go through to a certain extent, because we live similarly and we can easily put ourselves in their shoes because they're similar shoes to ours, right? So those people that are not in our group, no matter how hard we might try, it's just harder 
to feel empathy for them. Not impossible, but it is harder and it takes more work. And I think we can all agree with this. Like putting ourselves in another pair of shoes that we've never worn before might be hard or uncomfortable at first and just take some time to break in, like plain and simple. So you might think, okay, Katie, this might apply to you, but this doesn't apply to me. I treat everyone equally and fairly. And even if you might think that way and really are better than me or the next person at being empathetic and you consider yourself a true empath, I think that it's very human for us to carry biases with us because at the end of the day, we've had experiences that have shaped us into who we are and it's hard to shed that layer for a second and really hear someone else, especially when you think you've had it rough or you've done something that's really, really impacted you and you can't even see someone else who hasn't experienced that because you're like, we're not on the same playing field. Like I can't even with you, you know? So I heard this phrase, literally three words that unlocked a total epiphany. Like this is what I've been missing and has led me to think that I'm a horrible person. And it's the empathy gap, the empathy gap, sometimes called empathy bias. In other words, a simple lack of imagination. Like we struggle to relate to other people who are dealing with something or feeling a certain emotion even that we aren't currently experiencing. We just can't relate to right now. So an example I can think of is feeling under the weather, like feeling sick, you know, you might feel right now happy, healthy, all is well. You can breathe through your nose. Everything's great. You don't have a fever. You feel like you have enough energy to carry through the day. It can be hard when you're feeling like that to listen to someone else complain about feeling sick and like fully feel empathy for them. And it might sound bad to say this, but think about it. Like you can feel sad for them maybe. You can feel bad for them and be like, oh, they're there. Like, here you go. Try some of this soup or this ginger ale. But You'll also do that thing where you're like, oh, I'm feeling great. Like you do a once over kind of take stock of yourself and you're like, wow, I feel great. I can breathe through my nose. I don't even remember what it feels like to be sick. Like, oh, I've been so healthy recently. Maybe it's the vitamins I'm taking. Like you turn it into yourself. It's not that bad. So-and-so get over it. But then you get sick yourself one day down the road and you're like, whoa, I'm really going through it. I need to tell everyone and everyone should feel bad for me. And like, it's the end of the world. So again, I catch myself doing this and I'm like, I'm the worst person. I'm a bad person. But according to research on human behavior, it isn't abnormal to feel this way. And here's another example. So think about how painful it can be to completely submerge your hand in ice cold freezing water, like an ice bath. And you might not even know the feeling or remember the feeling, but let me tell you, it's cold. It's not pleasant. Or I guess like sticking your hand into like a snowbank without a glove on, like you drop your glove in the snow and you have to like fish it out and your hand is just freezing and bright red. It's like so uncomfortable. So two psychologists, David Reed and George Lowenstein, conducted this study in 1989 where they asked a group of university students to do a little experiment. So they asked students, how much money would you charge to submerge your hand in ice cold water? A simple question, they asked this to the students to three different groups. So the first group had just put their hand in this ice cold water and then they were asked, how much would you charge to do this again? The second group had done this experiment in the past, like last year, and they asked these people who had done it before, but not extremely recently, how much would you charge to put your hand in the ice cold water again? And then they asked people who had never done it, how much would you charge to submerge your hand in ice cold water? And of course, 
what you kind of would assume, the people who had just experienced it like five minutes ago demanded the most money to do it again because the pain was still fresh. They had just done it. They're like, no, thank you. Give me a year. Maybe I'll do it again, but not right now. So they demanded the most money. And then the second most was the people who had experienced it before, but not recently. Like they'd done it before. They know the pain, but it's been a while. So, you know, maybe I'll do it again now. It's like been a year, you know, or something like that. Okay. I don't know the exact time frame, but that was the second. And then obviously the people who had never experienced it before We're like, oh, this sounds like nothing. It sounds like a piece of cake. They demanded the least amount of money of all. It's almost as if we forget the severity of things when it's not fresh in our minds. And this affects how we address and understand other people's pain and struggle. Like, I think of it like I love to sign myself up for things that stress me out, like speaking engagements or going to get drinks with particular people that might be hard to talk to or going to a really hard workout, like going to Soul Cycle. I always sign myself up for these things. And I'm like, oh, you know, in a couple of weeks when this thing actually arrives, I'll be fine. Like, you know, it's not fresh. It's not imminent. But when the day comes and I have to do this thing that I don't really want to do or could be painful to a certain extent, like Soul Cycle is painful, then I freak out like right before. And once I'm there, I'm fine usually. And leaving, I'm like proud that I did it and I'm happy I did it and I know it's good. But it all hits you on the day of and you're like, oh, I hope this gets canceled, you know, because you kind of forget the severity or you forget how much it impacts you because you're not living it right now or you didn't just do it five seconds ago. But when another person comes to me and is like, oh, I'm nervous for the speaking engagement or this soul cycle class, I find myself saying to them, don't sweat it. Like, I love these things. I love this class. I love speaking engagements. Having not done them for a while and I falsely kind of remember how much stress I felt right before I got there. Randomly, usually when I'm like waiting in line for things, my friends and I actually play this would you rather game. Obviously, like, you know, it's one of the things you do when you're like waiting in line for a bar, you've nothing to do. Like, let's play what would you rather? Let's like, you know, delve into some weird stuff. Like, would you rather have fingers for feet or like, you know, those sorts of things? And one question that always comes up, it's like my little one that I like digging out because you get a lot of different answers from people. It's kind of morbid, but would you rather die from heat, like intense heat or intense cold, burn to death or freeze to death? And usually when we're playing this game and it's the middle of summer and we're all sweating, we'll often say, oh, we'd rather die of the cold. Like I'd rather freeze to death. But if it's the dead of the winter and we're all freezing, like red noses huddling together, we might say burn to death, like death by heat. Things feel differently in the heat of the moment, literally. Like they feel differently depending on what you are presently going through. So what is really going on here when all of this is happening, when we, you know, are selectively remembering things, are we really that forgetful or is it just the empathy gap? According to experts, we aren't even consciously aware that we do this, or at least we don't really act like we do, or we would probably act differently. Like the empathy gap is a deficit that most of us suffer from unconsciously. And if you think about it, if we were super aware of the fact that we feel differently towards things based on whether or not they currently affect us, we'd be a lot more consistent in our judgments. So I just said this phrase, selective memory, selective. But what about selective empathy? Can this explain all of my earlier questions? Like, why is it so hard for us to be happy for each other, to be sad for each other? Are we all biased when it comes to seeing other people and taking stock of what they're dealing with? Like, are we all biased or honestly a bit selfish, even if we try our very hardest not to be? 
think of your enemies, okay? Think of those people or those groups that you dislike. Maybe someone that differs from you politically or they have a job that you don't understand or care for this job. I think of a lot of times how people come at influencers specifically, like what I do, content creators, and are like, oh, I don't understand. Like this person has no right to complain, like the Michaela situation on TikTok. Just like people that maybe you don't hate them, but you wouldn't consider yourself in that group. Like you would consider yourself different. And when put in the situation to speak with this person, you might be rolling your eyes, you know, like that sort of people. So think of those people that you've been exposed to or might even be kind of remotely in your life, maybe not by choice, but you've been exposed to this person, you understand that this person exists, but you couldn't possibly feel any sort of empathy for them. Like you either dislike them, you think what they do is annoying or completely against everything you believe in. Like you just don't see eye to eye with this person. You couldn't possibly feel any sort of empathy for them if they complain or if they experience happiness, you're not happy for them. And it's not like that you're a bad person. It's just, you know, if this person is fully against everything you believe in, you're going to feel some type of way. You're going to feel a little bit charged up and like you don't understand why or how they can feel that way because it's completely against everything you believe in. Like that sort of person. All that said, this doesn't mean that you can't see or feel or understand. Like you could be the most empathetic person out there. Like sure you can, but you're selectively not giving it to these people because they are the enemy in your mind. And I'm quickly just going to get a little bit dark. You know, think about acts of terrorism, trigger warning, suicide bombers. If this triggers you, please click off now. But I read this Times article that discussed suicide bombers and how it might seem at first glance or first thought that these people lack all empathy for innocent people. Like they tried to either successfully or unsuccessfully kill people to make a statement politically, et cetera. Do they have any care in the world for other people besides themselves? Or are they just selfish? Or do they not care about anyone, including themselves? And this New York Times piece is very long, but very interesting. I encourage you to read it. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes. It goes deeper. But there's one particular interview that really resonated with me. They interviewed this man named Emile Bruneau, and he's a cognitive neuroscientist at MIT. And he said this about suicide bombers specifically. He said, if Hollywood is to be believed, they're all sociopaths. But that's not the reality. Suicide bombers tend to be characterized by, if anything, very high high levels of empathy. Wafa Idris, who was the first Palestinian woman suicide bomber, was previously a volunteer paramedic. A volunteer paramedic who saved the lives of innocent people went on to bomb other innocent people. And I read a little bit about her story. It's very interesting. She had a really tough life. No excuse. Like she bombed an area and only one person ended up passing away. A lot of people were injured. Really horrible what happened. But She wasn't not empathetic, but she just didn't agree with one particular group, and that is why she targeted this one group. There's obviously a lot more involved to suicide bombing, and it's a whole concept within itself that deserves many episodes of a podcast, not this one, but you know what I mean. It's a complex thing, but just for the sake of the analogy, like there's a theory involved here. Emil, the expert in the article, he developed a theory to explain this paradox. When considering an enemy... The mind generates an empathy gap. And we talked about this earlier in the episode. This empathy gap mutes the empathy signal. It puts it on ice like you are not seeing, not hearing this other side like you don't want to. So even if you are capable of empathy, you are selectively not giving it to this one group or many groups, whatever group, you know. 
And the muting of it all prevents us from putting ourselves fully in our enemy's shoes. Like we squeeze our eyes shut, we put our fingers in our ears, and we refuse to see things from their point of view. Like we'll not even try to empathize with them. Like how could we? This other group is either threatening our way of life or we just don't understand. We don't even want to understand or we've been conditioned to not understand them. Like we consider them to maybe be too different. And even if they're experiencing something that we at one point in time also experienced, we will not see any relation between us in this moment of like passion or maybe in many, many years of passion against the group? Like, is it because we're selfish or ignorant or because we're self-preserving? Like, is it kind of a survival instinct? So interesting. So another idea that I have when I was thinking about this, reading this article was, I think as people are gaining access to more and more niche communities online, I see it on Reddit all the time or even on TikTok, like people are gaining access to more very niche communities that they belong to, like their empathy to people unlike them is diminishing even more. Like I think this can be said for me personally as well. Like once I'm getting exposed to people that are very, very, very much like me, like almost a carbon copy of me, it becomes easier for me to dislike everyone else or like not understand everyone else because like I found my people. Like now on the internet, it's easier to do that and you don't have to like force yourself to fit into a larger group. So that means that people become very fixated on niche communities that they might belong to. I'm trying to think of like in this given moment what I would say I am like, you know, late 20-somethings, single people that live in a city that might have been burned before, like by someone romantically or I don't know, like just something like that. Like I feel like that's kind of my brand sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm just a hopeless romantic in New York City who's had her heart broken. I'm 26, 27 years old. Sorry. Like, then it becomes, I find my people and I'm like, ooh, we all get each other. We're in this group. We have this camaraderie. We all see eye to eye. Like I can't even see other people because I found my people. So it almost isolates you more and makes you have more hate in your heart for other people. As we get more niche and niche and niche and people are meeting other people like them, it just gets smaller. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You know, like it becomes easier to have tunnel vision and not see a single thing other than what you are currently experiencing. And I think back to like middle and high school gym class, like honestly a lot, more than I'd like to admit. I think about it. <laughs> like it's like an area of trauma in my life. And I don't know if you guys had this similar thing, but we had all these units and we had to play like random sports like volleyball and dodgeball and flag football, et cetera. And we'd randomly be sorted into teams like co-ed, guys and girls, same teams. They would either do it by like how many letters are in your name or like random things like that. And then- after we'd get through the first game, the next game, they would mix it up again so it wouldn't be unfair. Like we wouldn't be on the same team for like the whole unit. We would mix it up. And the first game, like my team, we built such a camaraderie and we would like pass the ball and assist each other and would like dive on the floor to save the ball for each other. We were such a team. And then the next game, like when things got all mixed up and we were, some of us were on the same team and some of us were on the different team now, like we would stare into those same people's eyes across the court and hope that they choke and lose. We're like, oh, I hope you don't win. Like, I don't want the best for you anymore. I did a second ago when we were on the same team, but now I don't. Like just because we weren't on the same team anymore. So like, are we all selfish at the end of the day? Is it a survival instinct? And here's the big question. Here's the biggest question of this whole episode. How can we fill the empathy gap? Can we or are we all doomed? Like, will we never truly feel for other people because we can't get ourselves out of the equation? We just can't. We're stuck in there and we can't get our own preconceived notions and our own opinions out of the mix so we can properly see and feel for other people. 
And I want to say, before I talk about like solutions and what I'm doing, I want to say that feeling empathy for someone else and understanding their feelings better doesn't mean we want to become them. It doesn't mean we want to lose who we are. And we can still not agree with people. We can still think that people are wrong, maybe. <laughs> like we can, we will, okay? We will. We will not agree. We will not adopt the beliefs of others just because we've gotten to know them and we understand them. Like that doesn't mean we have to adopt them. It doesn't mean we have to vote differently or be different people at all. But I think it is the key to understanding ourselves better, understanding why we believe something and it makes it stronger, like our belief stronger. We have to open our minds and understand other people. We do. It's crucial for the world, I think. Like I think if people had a little bit more empathy, there'd be a lot less suffering. There'd be a lot less death for no reason. Just a lot of things, okay? I think it's important to understand people. It, you don't need to convert or change your mind, but I think you should give yourself the opportunity to maybe do that because you might realize, oh crap, I've been doing something completely wrong. Or, you know, like just opening the floor to possibilities, I think it makes you a better person. I really, really do. And I think that realizing that there is a such thing as an empathy gap and you're not a bad person, it's normal, it's natural to mute your empathy when you are met with someone who you don't understand or you don't relate to in this given moment. Like maybe you've gone through this thing in the past, but you're not doing it right now and you don't want to go back there or you don't remember what it's like or, you know, there's so many reasons for it, which I've discussed in this episode. But I think the first step is realizing that there is an empathy gap and it could even be with people that you care about. Like, I think about recently, I think I talked about this on the podcast where I got my wallet and my keys stolen in LA. We were out at this bar and my purse like didn't close all the way. And long story short, my wallet and my keys were gone. And I was in LA. I was in an unfamiliar area and I was very far from home. I had to fly home the next day and I was so nervous about getting through the airport without an ID and all these things. So I was sitting at my friend's table in their house, like locking up all my credit cards, like freezing everything, making sure no one could use them, calling the bar again, like panicking, freaking out, sobbing. Like I literally cried because I was so overwhelmed with emotion. And I was at this house with like a bunch of people I knew, a bunch of people I didn't really know. And some people were coming up to me and feeling bad for me and like offering me solutions, like telling me tips of things to do. But they kept like, you know, partying and dancing and calling boys to come over. And like, I honestly, like, I get it. Maybe if the roles were reversed, I would also be doing that. Like, I don't know. But I noticed all this. And one friend of mine, like I was in tears. They were definitely, I don't want to paint them as bad people because like they are my friends, but they were like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, they're like, well, this has happened. Like, there's nothing you can do right now. So you might as well just live it up. Like, you're in LA. Don't worry about it. And one friend of mine came over to me and she just grabs my hand. She says, go put your shoes on. Let's go back to the bar and just look one more time. And that would have been a nice little success story if we found it, but we didn't. But still, like the act of her being like, I don't have like a really concrete solution for you right now, but let's at least go look and try and let's convert this feeling into action and do something. And like, it was just really sweet of her. And though she wasn't like matching my energy in the sense of like, she wasn't sobbing. She wasn't like crying. She wasn't like me. She wasn't me in the moment. And she had her wallet and keys, but she you know, she wasn't going to sit with me and like feel and sob, but she knew she could do something like she can convert this energy into action and help me in a different way by going with me to look one more time. And when I got home after like not finding it, I thanked her and she was like, well, you would have done it for me. 
you would have done it for me. And I think, wow, I guess I would have done it for you. And I, I think even if you might not be able to find the words or the understanding to relate to someone, you can channel empathy in a different way, in action, like thinking about what that person would do, keyword do, if the roles were reversed, what they need, what you need to do, right? Like focus on doing and less into words and thinking and feeling if that's not possible for you to do because you just don't fully understand or empathize. And with our enemies, back to the enemies of it all, those people we're not friends with, those people we don't agree with, that is a tougher one. I think a lack of empathy is a huge problem. And like I said, I think the entire world would be better off if we had more empathy for each other. Like there would be a lot less suffering. But unfortunately, we will never live in a world entirely without suffering and with every single person possessing empathy for all. Like it's just not possible for everyone to feel that way. It's just not how we're wired. Not everyone's going to hear this podcast episode. But I think that working on shrinking our empathy gaps that we personally possess is crucial to be a better human. And honestly, it helps you get through life a lot easier. I think having more empathy in my heart and less hate will make me happier in the long run. Like when I hear something that I don't want to understand, I don't feel like trying to put myself in their shoes. I don't feel like it, especially if it might be someone that I consider to be an enemy. I'm going to just remember the empathy gap. I'll say, oh, okay, this is why I feel this way. This is why I'm choosing hate. This is why I'm not even trying to listen to this person, it's the empathy gap. And I'll start to feel it shrink, I think, once I start realizing that I'm doing it. It's like when you're watching a scary movie, like some weird analogy just popped into my head, but it's like when you're watching a scary movie and you're like consciously pulling yourself out of the movie for a second, like you're in the heat of the scary movie, like the guy's about to come with the ax and you're like, okay, I need to remind myself, it's just a movie. Like I'm not stuck inside of this thing, I'm not trapped. I'm not the one that the axe murderer is chasing. Like you can pull yourself out and change your thinking, ground yourself. And I think the same goes for when you're hearing someone else like talk or explain something and you're like, you know, stuck in that quicksand thinking of this doesn't concern me. So I'm muting my empathy. Like I'm muting this thing. I'm not feeling, I don't have the energy for this right now. Like, no, no, no. I'm going to remind myself that I don't have to do that. I can pull myself out of that feeling and really try to level with this person, even if I'm not going through this thing that they're going through right now, or I don't feel that this benefits me, or I don't agree with them. Like, that is what I'm going to try to do. I think just like reminding yourself you're not in a scary movie, <laughs> like that sort of mentality. And I found this quote from Dr. Oz. I love Daphne Oz, his daughter. Um, I just need to say that. I love following her on Instagram, unrelated, but follow Daphne Oz on Instagram. It'll change your life. I love this woman. But Dr. Oz, her dad said, The opposite of anger is not calmness, it's empathy. The opposite of anger, think about it, the opposite of anger is not calmness. It's not like being in this, you know, this zen, calm feeling. It's empathy. I think it's a muscle that we have to exercise often. Like over time, it will take less effort to lift the weight and it will become second nature. And this might sound silly, but I think like one last thing I'll say on closing the empathy gap, I think I've grown to be a bit more empathetic through just reading books reading, well, reading articles, reading anything, honestly, like just poking my nose into things that I might not choose for myself, like especially that, like in my book club, my book club, we're always choosing books. Everyone gets a chance to choose. Like we don't choose as a group, like each person gets to choose a book. And there's some books that are proposed and I'm like, oh, I really don't know if I'm going to like this. Like I don't really know this author or I don't, the plot sounds kind of meh or it doesn't sound like something I would choose for myself. And it ends up being the best book ever. 
or I'm just exposed to a different plot than what I'm typically always reading. Like I feel like I'm reading like the same five books with different characters, but like they're kind of similar. So it just takes getting out of your comfort zone, seeing something different from you, something different that you wouldn't choose for yourself that you might not even agree with and exposing yourself to that. Like it's just so good for the soul. Just getting a different point of view. And I think that TikTok, honestly, the ways that it hurts, it also helps. I think that I'm exposed to so many, like the For You page, just spicing things up. You don't know what you're going to get. That can be really helpful, I think. Like, yes, it's the algorithm does take control and you end up seeing things that relate to you, of course, because social media does that. But I think that I'm also seeing things that I'm like, wow, I would never meet a person like this in my life, but I'm exposed to this person on the internet. It's fascinating. And it really is good. I think that the more we are exposing ourselves to people unlike us, the more we'll understand ourselves, the more we'll understand why we are the way we are and believe the things we believe. Like people who have only preached their beliefs to people like them, especially if like I think of it politically, I think of it like when you're trying to make a point and you're trying to make change happen. Like imagine if you never even considered the people that don't agree with you and consider how their brain works. Like, how would you ever deliver a good argument if you're not putting yourself in their shoes? If you think about it, like a, a lawyer who's trying to plead the case to a jury, like you have to put yourself in the jury's shoes. You do have to do it and it's hard and we can get in our own way when it comes to trying to practice empathy. Like, I, you know, I get in the mindset where I'm like, I'm just out of energy today. I don't feel like doing this today. I just, I can't even get through my own life. Like, I don't want to think about other people's, but it does make you better. We just have to expose ourselves to a lot of different things, a lot of different people, and it'll become this muscle memory thing. I really do think so. But it's good to admit that it's there and that we are human. Like, I'm never going to sugarcoat it for you guys. Like, this is what I think about. This is what I experience. And I'm trying to be better. And I think that this is all the first step, right? First step. And my voice is wavering. I've been talking for so long. My poor, like, almost gone voices like, Katie, oh my God, we need tea. We need tea and honey. Anyway, so that is it for my episode, guys. I hope this got your brain moving, things churning in there, your brain juices going. And I hope you guys like this episode. I will talk to you guys next week when I have my voice fully back. It'll be great. I can't wait. So tune in next Thursday for another episode of Thick and Thin. And I will talk to you guys then. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, 
indoor or outdoor. You can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings. But I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.